Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. With this last teaching in the book of Romans, we want to thank everyone who has taken the time to listen to these teachings, and we sincerely pray that they have been a benefit to you. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 16 and simply declare, quote, To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to another teaching. And uh, this is a this is a special teaching. This is a this is the the final teaching in the book of Romans, the sixteen chapters of the book of Romans. By the mercy of Jesus Christ, our Lord will be completed today. And you know, Stephen and I just have a uh, I don't know. There's just a I don't know. There's a satisfaction. There's an excitement that that the book of Romans has been taught verse by verse by verse from chapter one, verse one to chapter 16, verse 27. And the library of the book of Romans, you know, will be completed today. I, I do want to say that by no means, you know, I, I believe I could teach through this book the way we have done it here for the rest of my life and still not cover the depth, the insight, the power um, you know, that, that, that comes from this Bible book of Romans. I asked Stephen and neither one of us knew. And so he counted how many teachings we've had so far. And the last teaching was the 49th teaching. And so this final teaching in the book of Romans will be the 50th teaching. So we'll close the book, so to speak, on teaching of the book of Romans and, you know, teaching it verse by verse. And who knows, the Lord may have to come back to it. But the book of Romans will have been 50 teachings, uh, 50 teachings, teaching through the book of Romans, um, expositing the book of Romans verse by verse from chapter one, verse one, every verse through chapter 16, verse 27. And so it's humbling. It's exciting. And Father, we thank you for your mercy your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. We thank you for letting us do this, Father. We thank you that we've been allowed to, to teach your word and to share your word and to study your word. We thank you that we have your word, and we thank you for this incredible book of Romans. And Father, we just love you. We thank you. We praise you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the tremendous insight, the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom, the revelation that's come from this Bible book of Romans, Father. Father, and above all that, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. We worship you, Lord Jesus, our God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that there would be no Bible, there would be no books, there would be no Romans if there was no Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. 
We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the center of this book. You are the center of every book in the Bible. You are the center of the universe. You are the center of our lives. You are our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end, our first and our last. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we go through these final verses in the book of Romans. As always, we ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. All right. Romans 16, verses 17 to 27. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius Jason, and Sociopater, my relatives. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cordus send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden, for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow. Golly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. All right. Um, thank you, Lord. Okay. All right. So if you notice here really quickly, um, almost every version of Bible is taken out verse 24. Okay. You'll notice if you look, there is no verse 24. Okay. It's been removed. Um, and the reason for that is the oldest manuscripts, they don't have verse 24. When the original Bible was put together around 500 years ago and the original verses were put in, the manuscripts available that they had for the most part had verse 24 and it was it was the same as uh, as verse I'm looking for it here it is verse 20 okay and verse 20 it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet the grace of our Lord Jesus of our Lord Jesus be with you and then in verse 20 it said again the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And so when you, when they, when you do this science called textual criticism, and it's not something I'm, I'm strong in, um, but when, you, when they come to understand how we have 99.9%, .9 how we know for sure that what we have is what the original authors have, have penned, and how we can be certain that we have that this book is 99% sure we can be sure that this is what Paul wrote, and it's a science called textual criticism when you study the original manuscripts and you put them side by side. So when, when older manuscripts came up, 
It didn't have that repeat. So there was a scribe who was who was copying it down, and apparently he accidentally wrote the grace of our Lord just of our Lord Jesus be with you. Those exact words, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And he just recopied it. Imagine copying this book of Romans by hand over and over and over and over again. Yes, it could get a little bit monotonous, right? It could get, there's no words, right? Um, it sounds exciting to do it, to copy the word of God. But if, you, if you're a scribe and you're, and you're having to do this once a day or once every two days or once every three days, it could, you see where, you know, you see how it could get hard. So there is no verse 24. You'll see it goes from 23 to 25 because the best manuscripts that we have or the oldest were available after the numbering of the verses came out. And it didn't have that repeat, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you, right? So, and it would be odd for Paul to repeat that same statement, you know, three sentences later. Um, so that's in my study, that's what I, uh, that's what I found out. I certainly did not know that. So, all right. Verse 17. It's important stuff now. Paul is ending this letter with this. And, and, and this, is in, this, is, this is all important for us in the church today. But Paul says, I urge you, brothers. So once again, this is important. It's urgent. It's he's urging us, right? It's something that, you know, that, that we ought to take very seriously and, and, and consistently be looking to do what he's saying, right? I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned, keep away from them. Okay, so what is he saying? When, when people come into the church, okay, and they're claiming that they have some new revelation, some new idea that, that, that the, the primary doctrines of Scripture are somehow different, then right away a red flag ought to go up to us, right? Someone someone comes into the church and they're trying to put obstacles or they're, they're trying to cause divisions and they're trying to say that Jesus isn't God. They're, they're trying to say that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. They're trying to say that, well, no, the Bible doesn't teach that all human beings are sinful, okay? Right away a red flag should go up and we say no, okay? That's, that's a division. It's not sound. It's not the plain, clear teaching of the Bible on an absolute primary doctrine. There are primary doctrines and there are secondary doctrines. And then there are others who would call things that are tertiary doctrines or, or doctrines where, you know, simply like, you know, like Paul was talking about in chapter 14, you know, uh, you know, someone eats everything. Another man eats only vegetables. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, people like pews in the church. Other times people like chairs. Some people like musical instruments in their worship. Some don't. Some only want to sing old hymns from three or four hundred years ago. Some people only want to sing modern Christian songs. Some people want their Christian songs to be filled with deep theology, right, that drive us to think. Other people want our Christian songs just to be in the, the presence of Jesus and about his presence and walking with him. And so these are tertiary things, okay? Um, you know, some people want, want there to be coffee in the, in the sanctuary. Some don't. Some people, you know, like to dance when they worship. Others just want to, you know, want to, you know, want to stay in their seats. Some like to stand. Some like to raise their hands. Those what what would be called tertiary issues. A secondary doctrine is an important doctrine, but yet it's not essential to salvation. It's not essential. You don't have to know it 
to be saved. You don't have to understand it correctly to receive the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, and to go to heaven when you die. Okay? A primary doctrine is a doctrine that's essential for you to understand in order for you to receive the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Okay? Uh, again, I already went over a few primary doctrines. All humanity is sinful. All 8 billion people in the world, including all human beings who ever existed, except Jesus, the God-man, right? Fully God, who, who took on humanity, who, who added humanity to his deity, right? Who assumed humanity, right? But never fully gave up his deity, right? Um, fully, right? He did, you know, he, he did limit himself on occasions, but he you can't stop being fully God, right? Um, you know, every other person who's ever existed is sinful, spiritually dead, in need of a savior, and only in receiving Christ and genuinely trusting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can they be forgiven of their sin. Can they come into relationship with each member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Can they be saved from the wrath of God in eternal hell and go to heaven when they die? That is a primary essential doctrine we need to understand to be saved. Okay, another primary doctrine that we have a, a triune God, okay? That, that Jesus is God, the deity of Jesus is primary, that our God became a human man for us, lived a perfect life for us. That's how bad our sin was, that our God himself, God the Son, had to become a human man, live a perfect life in our place we could never live, die a torturous death on our behalf and in our place that we should have died, and then be raised from the dead, okay? Uh, that we have a triune God, one God, three separate distinct individual persons, okay? These are primary doctrines. These are, these are doctrines we have to agree on. So when Paul says, I urge you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned, keep away from them. He's speaking here about primary doctrines, okay? If people have strong opinions, you know, on tertiary doctrines, that's okay. We ought to be able to get close on most secondary doctrines, Okay, um, we ought to be able to get to the scripture and get close, but there are there are disagreements on on secondary doctrines. Okay, we we ought to be a little stronger in searching them out. But we went through Romans chapter nine, ten, and eleven, and there are strong disagreements on on soteriology. Okay, on on election and predestination and in the salvation process and exactly how much our heavenly Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit each member of the triune God, how much is of their doing and how much is of our choosing, okay? And we saw that in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Now, that is a secondary doctrine. It's an important doctrine, but there are very strong opinions of those who are of the doctrines of grace, also called Reformed theology, also called Calvinists, right? Then there are extremely strong opinions on the other side and what we call Arminians, right? Um, and, and their doctrine. And then there's those who are in the middle, right, that are provisionists, um, you know, that certainly maintain some of the some of that of the Reformed, but, but not all of that of the Arminians, right? And so these are secondary doctrine and learned, studied people have studied the scriptures for 50, 60 years. I've studied for 25 years on this doctrine, this secondary doctrine, and, I, and I'm not certain as of right now, okay? And I've studied, you know, fairly intently, right, in, in, in understanding each of the positions, um, and I'm still going, right? I, I don't have it figured out.
So, uh, you know, we keep away from people that are insisting, you know, we love them, we encourage them. And again, if people have a certain doctrine that's not in our primary doctrine, as long as they're not trying to put divisions or obstacles in our way, that's okay. We should try to win them to, to the right understanding of what the Bible teaches. But these are people who are boldly asserting that, that their doctrine is correct when it's clearly contrary to the primary teachings of Scripture, we keep away from them. We dismiss them, right? Now, if they humble themselves and they're saying we're not so sure um, and they don't have an agenda and they're willing to learn, of course, you know, we want to be there to help them. Verse 18, because, you know, this Paul's going to give the reason now. So this is not someone who genuinely wants to learn. Verse 18, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. OK, so right there you have who you are serving. You're serving our Lord Christ. Okay. I've said this, you know, over and over. My wife has told me that I say it too much, but the name Jesus needs to be on our lips more and more in our prayers, um, in our teaching and our preaching and our conversation, as opposed to the word God, we have a triune God, right? He's one being three separate, distinct individual persons, God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, and God, the Holy spirit. But we are serving our Lord Christ. He is our Lord, our master, our savior, our king. And we need to be speaking about him more and using the name Jesus and Lord Jesus more and the term God less. God is what he is. We have relationship with who he is, right? A personal relationship is based on a person. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three distinct persons of the one God, right? All right. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Okay, so we want to look into our lives. All of us at some level are serving our own appetites, but we ought not in any way ever trying to serve our own appetites by causing divisions to primary doctrines, orthodox, sound Christian doctrines over the last 2000 years. Okay, when people come in and do this, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites by Smooth talk and flattery, they, they deceive the minds of naive people. I got to I gotta confess here in this last teaching that I, I kind of got a little, little smile on my face and had a little pride. The Lord had to rebuke me because it said by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. And frankly, that has not been something that I can ever remember being accused of, okay? For some strange reason, I've never been accused of smooth talk and flattery when dealing with people. And so I kinda, I kinda got a little excited about that. Now, frankly, and I, I confess this, I have been sinful because I, I often, my, my, my manner has been, and I, I think I'm getting much better, I do, but my manner has has been the opposite of these things, right? It's been, you know, it's been abrupt. Uh, it's been brash. Uh, it, it could be harsh. Um, it could be overbearing. Um, and it, it, it's, it, it could be insulting. And, and and so for those who are listening to this and, and, and that's happened in your life, I genuinely ask you to forgive me. But now I'm happy that I can't be accused of, of, uh, of, of causing divisions or putting obstacles in people way. I've never done that. Right. You know, trying to, you know, trying to, trying to steer people contrary 
to orthodox biblical teaching by the grace of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Um, and, and certainly, I'm not someone, for those who know me, that, that is overly flattering, okay? Or even flattering, or even as complimentary as I ought to be. But like I said, I, I'm working on it. So anyway, I was a little, <laughs> yes. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Be careful when people come around to you and they're complimentary to you. And they're talking to you about how wonderful you are because they very well may have an agenda in mind. Now, again, I'm not saying it's not good to be complimentary. I'm working to do better. But it's just something to be aware of, right, when someone is overly complimentary. Verse 19, everyone has heard about your obedience is that what's said about us? You know, we need to do a better job in kingdom discipleship in our ministry, and certainly we need to do a better job in our churches. But everyone has heard about your obedience. Yeah, I don't know very many Christians that you could say that about. Everyone has heard about your obedience. Lord Jesus, help us that this could be more and more said of us. And forgive us, Lord, that this is not something that's common, commonly heard of us. Everyone has heard about your obedience. So I am full of joy over you. What brings you joy? Paul said, I'm full of joy because everyone has heard and I've heard that you're obediently not only believing the scriptures because we're commanded what to believe, commanded to believe and trust and rely in Jesus and to receive him as savior, but we're also commanded to live for him, right? We're not saved by living for him, but that ought to be the result of our genuine belief in Christ. It ought to be, right? Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you. It ought to bring you joy when you see your brothers and sisters in Christ, obediently believing the word of God and obediently living it out. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. That should be all of us. Jesus said the same thing, remember? Um, I, don't, I don't remember exactly where it is. Stephen will put it on the screen. But when Jesus said, I want you to be, you know, be as wise as serpents and as innocent as a dove, right? As innocent as doves. Paul said, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil, okay? We ought to be more simple when it comes to evil. We ought not be wise and evil. We ought to be more simple people and evil. You ought to be simple when it comes to evil. And I'm not just talking about the heinous evils. You ought to be sit, sit, you know, more simple when it comes to gossip, right? Uh-oh, okay? Um, you know, you ought to be more simple when it comes to, you know, um, you know, like little white lies and cheating and exaggeration and, you know, all the things we consider little kind of sins, right? Be innocent about what is evil, wise about what is good. You ought to always be looking to grow in wisdom about what is good. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, okay? There was the prophecy there in Genesis chapter 3 um, where where, where God the Father said to Satan that I will put enmity between you and the woman. That's Jesus. The woman brought sin into the world along with her husband, Adam. Um, the woman sinned. Then she passed the fruit to her husband, led him right into sin. He ate it, right? And all of humanity um, was sinful, okay? Now, Adam was still fully responsible. He should have said no, but he happily took that fruit himself, right? All of humanity was led into sin, Um you know, they confessed it was the devil, the serpent that did that. Father rebukes the serpent and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and you will bruise his heel and he, Jesus, will crush your head. And at the, at the cross, Jesus crushed the head of the devil, 
Okay, again, these, this is a metaphorical term. It's not a physical thing, but he took all his power from it. He defeated him at the cross. And Paul says here, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And again, this happens in the gospel. Okay, and ultimately, as a genuine believer in Christ, as someone who's saved with Jesus living inside of you, that happens fully and completely when we leave this life, either by death or when Jesus comes Satan will never again be able to bother us, okay? Or any of his minions or demons. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. That ought to be something we constantly want. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Certainly grace, right? Paul says uh, in his, many of his letters, grace and peace to you. Grace, the means of salvation. Peace, the result, scholars have said, right? Um, but also, we need grace to live this life. Every day, we need the spiritual blessing of grace to walk, to more effectively walk in Jesus Christ our Lord. Without the continuing grace of our Heavenly Father in our lives as believers, we could do nothing. So, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. There's, there's nothing we should want more than that, than God's grace, than His mercy. It's the spiritual blessings that are the greatest blessings in our life. Verse 21, kind of a, a shout out here. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sociopater, my relatives. Okay, so apparently Lucius, Jason, and Sociopater are Jews because Paul says they're my relatives. But look at his shout out to his boy, Timothy. Timothy is his spiritual son, and, uh, and he gives him a, a good shout out here. And again, I, uh, you know, I've been asked... For those of you who may have noticed, I've been asked to stop using so many names. Um, you know, I like to make the teachings personal. Um, and when names come to my mind, I want to say them. But I don't know, half dozen people maybe have said, you know, they see my heart in it. But, you know, I should stop naming certain people. Not because it's bad, but because it's apparently more polished or professional if you're not saying all the different names or people's names while you're teaching. Um, and I used to say it a lot. And so that for the last four five, six teachings, you know, I, I've taken it out because it, you know, I don't want it to be a stumbling block to anybody. Okay. Um, but Paul shouts out here, Timothy, my fellow worker. And I will thank, I want to get, again, thank Stephen, um, for getting all his hard work. Uh, he, he does every one of these with me. Uh, you know, and you know, after myself, he's, he's the hardest working at doing all this, you know, it's, he works at all that. He may work as harder, harder than me. But I want to really thank Nathan who watches every one of these teachings. Um, and then my daughter, Kristen, you know, who works on a lot of the marketing and, and communication behind that. I thank the elders, um, the other elders, Jesse and Tom, uh, the deacons, um, uh, Stephen and, and, and Jose and Nathan. Um, and, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, just all the others in our ministry and uh, Josh and, and Eddie and, you know, just uh, Dustin and just, you know, just our fellowship and community as leaders in this ministry. So Paul shouts out Timothy, my fellow worker. And so he's a, a spiritual son. Um, he, he's consistent alongside the Apostle Paul. And, and, and Paul shouts him out here as a blessing. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sociopater are my relatives. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. So Tertius is Paul's secretary, so to speak. He's a stenographer, I guess you would say. Um, you know, you know, Paul is dictating the letter as he often did, right? Look at 23. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. 
All right, so uh, again, there's a, there's a high compliment for this brother in Christ, Gaius, whose hospitality I, apparently Paul is staying. Remember, this letter is written from Corinth, and Paul is apparently staying in the house of Gaius, but he says, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy. Perhaps there was a church that met in Gaius's home, right? Sends you his greetings, okay? Again, this is how Paul's remembering the names of these people, and we ought to be thankful for those who work with us in Christ, right, and talk to us in Christ. I want to thank my friend Scott, who consistently list, listens to these and, you know, forever is making suggestions and has a good good heart to do it, right? Um, thank you, Lord. All right. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cordus send you theirs greetings. So again, there were people in government that were Christians here, right? And our brother Cordus send you their greetings. Verse 25, and Paul's going to end the letter now with this incredible doxology. Look at this. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel. You like how Paul says by my gospel. The gospel, the revelation that Jesus gave to Paul directly. Remember, Galatians 1, no one taught Paul the gospel. He got it directly from Jesus. You and I learned it. Okay, we learned it from the Bible. We learned it from Paul. We were taught it by a preacher. We learned it somewhere. Paul got it directly from Jesus. He wasn't taught it by Peter, James, John, by any of the apostles. Paul's gospel that he received directly from Jesus is the good news. The good news that our God has become a man and lived a perfect life on our behalf, died a torturous death on the cross from, on our behalf and in our place, and has been raised from the dead. And the good news is that if you'll trust in him and receive him and put all your confidence and faith in Jesus alone, you'll be forgiven of your sin. You'll come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. You'll be delivered from eternal hell and the wrath of God. And you'll go to heaven when you die. That's good news. That's good news. And that's, that's the gospel that Paul says is my gospel. Now to him who was able to establish you by my gospel, and the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Again, it's proclaiming Jesus, 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 and all that Jesus has done. According to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. The whole 39 books of the Old Testament, consistently, over 350 times, Jesus is is referenced in type and shadow. In the New Testament, boom, he explodes on the scene but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. You see that was, it was always perfectly being managed of when all this would be revealed and how it was revealed throughout the entire time of human history from when it first comes on the scene in Genesis 3 at the beginning of the Bible all the way through the ascension and what will be the, the return of Christ. This perfect plan has been set forth by our heavenly Father by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. Again, the heart of all this is that all nations, every person in all the world, every individual, every person in every nation in all the world, all 8 billion people are in the world are, come, are to come to the obedience, to obey the command, to receive Jesus and believe in Jesus. And then as a result of that, live your life like Jesus. So that all nations might obey him. Again, to believe in Jesus is a command that we might obey him with our belief, and that's how we're saved, and, and obey him in living for him subsequently or after that in our actions. To the only wise God, 
Our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord and the Holy Spirit, be glory forever, glory forever, glory forever. And how? Through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's only in and through Jesus Christ that there can be any glory given to our triune God. Father, we worship you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We honor you. Father, we are so humbled that we got to do this, Lord. I'm so excited that this book is done. Father, we look forward to what you have for us next. Father, we do revel and thank you and joy in the fact that, uh, that this book of Romans, this 50th teaching, Lord, has been concluded. Father, I ask you to forgive me where I have where I've clearly fallen short, Lord, I'm sure in every teaching of, of delivering what could have been a, a better teaching, Lord, a better insight, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Um, but nonetheless, I, we humbly ask, Father, that you would use the work that has been done, the 50 teachings that has been done uh, to the glory of your name, the benefit of your people and the advancement of your kingdom. We commit all this into your hands now, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Into your hands, Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this to our minds and our hearts. We worship you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.